welcome to another day as we go through the Word of God, and I'm so glad that you're with me today and uh, looking forward to this. And uh, uh, we're going to continue our, our journey through the book of Proverbs and uh, really enjoying this journey. It's a, it's a book of Proverbs of Solomon. Not all of them were written by Solomon. In other words, he didn't come up with them, but they were his sayings, and they were sayings that he was known to say. And he wrote this book, and he started off in, in chapter 1 saying, my son, he's, you know, He's, he's a guy with 700 wives, 300 concubines. He ends up with one son who ends up being a fool. Wisest man in all the world. That's what he ends up with, Rehoboam. And uh, so I think that there's, just because you can have all this wisdom, you know, if you don't apply it and you don't uh, uh, have it be ingrained in who you are, then you you cannot live your life with a genuine fear. And uh, when I say that, that respect for God that comes from his word. And that's what Solomon wanted us to have. Uh, David Guzik, uh, said this, uh, that this wis- this, uh, chapter, Proverbs chapter two, is about the protective power of wisdom. Bruce Waltke said, Proverbs two is a unit unto itself. The, this alphabetic poem is a single sentence consisting of 22 verses, matching the number of letters in the Hebrew alphabet, probably to suggest its completeness. And that's what uh, Proverbs chapter 2 is. So let's dive in today. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, <laughs> uh, before I even get to verse 2, uh, what a great and wonderful opening that Solomon gives here to uh, in verse 1. In the first chapter of uh, Proverbs, Solomon, he speaks to his son and he instructs him in the ways of wisdom. And he's going to continue this teaching and saying uh, to his son, receive my words, treasure my commands. Uh, you have to understand that wisdom can never benefit anybody if it is not received and if it is not treasured. So you can't just hear it and go, oh, yeah, that's nice, whatever. It's got to be treasured. Derek Kidner said, the search, strenuous as it must be, is not unguided for wisdom. Its starting point is revelation, specific words, practical commandments. Its method is not one of free speculation, but of treasuring and exploring received teachings so as to penetrate to their principles. Uh, Alan P. Ross The word receive, if you receive my words, is paralleled with the same Hebrew word that means store up, treasure. It is a figure that implies that most teaching cannot be used immediately, but that some time will pass before the effects are felt of the education. Dan Phillips said this about treasure my commands within you. God's intention is that you and I make his wisdom our own. We are to learn it from the Bible. Nobody is to know it in our stead. Pastors are charged by God with helping us to grow. But we must make his word ours so as to keep it with us. That's the opening. (laughs) So he says, if you receive my words, treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What an opening statement this is. Uh, just I, I, I find this just incredible. Uh, it, it, apply your heart to understanding. Uh, 
Solomon is imploring his son here. This requires effort. It's going to take energy. The heart has to be applied to this in order for understanding to happen. It's not going to happen by accident. Uh, wisdom, discernment, understanding. You have to, you have to seek after it as if you're trying to mine for silver and hidden treasures. Um, uh, Morgan, G. Campbell Morgan, in these few verses, Solomon described many ways that we must seek after wisdom. The one who pursues wisdom in this way will never be disappointed. How? You have to receive it, treasure it, incline towards it, apply it, cry out, lift up the voice, and then seek and search it. Um, it's all about effort. It takes a massive amount of effort. Uh, John A. Trapp said this, the attention of body intention of mind and retention of memory are indispensably desired of all wisdom's scholars, such as King Edward VI, who constantly stood up at the hearing of the word of God and took notes, which he then afterwards diligently perused and wrought the sermon upon his affections by meditation upon it. Uh, this is this is what we're meant to do. Apply it to understanding. Now, I love this this imagery. Uh, seek her as silver. Um, you, you you're never going to walk along a road and stumble across silver. You're going to have to dig for it. You're going to have to mine for it. You've got to go deep. You've got to go a long way down. And there's a whole lot of dirt in before you get to it. But when you when you find it. Oh, it's an amazing feeling. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Solomon establishes the principle that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. And here he says that without any effort, you'll never seek it if you don't put in the effort. And and if you do that, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lack in fear of the Lord and you're going to lack in the knowledge of God. And Solomon does not want his son to have those two problems. Now, Bruce Waltke said this about the knowledge of God. In short, the knowledge of God here refers to a personal intimacy with him through obedience to his word. Now, that's very similar to the way that Samuel uh, was woken up in a dream by God, but because he didn't know the Lord, he, he, he didn't recognize the voice. And then he grew in an intimate knowledge of him because once he realized who the voice was, Samuel's life took a completely different turn. Once he realized he could actually he, he physically hear the voice of God in his dreams. Uh, I think that's the same kind of connection that Solomon's hoping that his son will get by teaching him these Proverbs. Uh, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of, of paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. This explains why the fear of the Lord is the foundation for wisdom. It's an essential aspect of the pursuit of wisdom. True wisdom is found in God and God is the one who gives it. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The most significant way that God will give you and I wisdom are from the words from his mouth in his word. His word reveals knowledge and understanding. In his word, God stores up sound wisdom 
for the upright. He is a shield to those who then walk uprightly. God doesn't only give you wisdom in his word. He actively then works to defend it, to guard it, preserve those who walk in his ways. Then you will understand righteousness and justice. Uh, two words that seem to be morphing in our understanding as, as mankind goes on the journey on this planet. The sense is that we need this defense from God to gain proper understanding of these things. There, there are so many wrong ideas floating out around right now uh, in the world uh, that we'll, we will we'll end up never holding on to what's wise and true if we're not being defended against the false and the foolish things. Uh, because then, he says, then you will understand. Adam Clark, he who is taught of God understands the whole law of justice, mercy, righteousness, and truth. God has written this on his heart. He who understands these things by books is only never likely to practice or profit by them. Um, every good path, he says, uh, then you'll understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. What does that mean? It's the Hebrew word that means track, magal, and it refers to cart tracks. You know, when you, when you see a dirt road and it's got, uh, you know, tracks in it where a previous vehicle has driven along and, uh, and it, it obviously at some stage used to be just wet mud and, the, and, and the, the tracks were made by a continued, continued, um, presence of vehicles in those same tracks and then eventually the mud turns hard and and then any vehicle that comes along has to follow those tracks they can't get out of them uh, when we make tracks and paths for our life wisdom helps us make good ones so that whomever is following follows in the right track that's the whole point of that hebrew word magal Verse 10, when wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Solomon mentions the idea of protection uh, relevant to wisdom in the previous verses. And so now he explains that something happens when we gain wisdom. When we value God's knowledge, it is pleasant to your soul. Pleasant to your soul. Isn't that just, I, I love that verbiage. It's pleasant to your soul. Um uh, I think that we sometimes forget that God wants to do things that are pleasant for our soul, for our mind, will, and emotions. God wants you to have that. If your soul is troubled today, God wants you to have pleasant things in your soul. I just felt to say that. That was just not in my notes. I just, just wanted to say that. Uh, Dwayne Garrett says this, the protection wisdom gives is that it keeps its follower from making decisions that will later bring them only regret, which is why discretion will preserve you. We need God's protection to gain wisdom, but wisdom also protects us in return. Understanding will keep you from many foolish and harmful consequences in life. Verse 12 to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil, delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Wisdom 
will keep us from going evil ways and also from associating with the man who speaks perverse things. Um, that's why you don't want to hang around people, you know, with bad mouths. <laughs> um, I, say, I say that to people all the time, you know, when it just comes to simple swearing. If you don't like swearing and somebody's swearing, tell them to stop it. And if, and if you don't, that means one, you don't have courage. Two, you don't believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and three, you're okay with evil winning the day. So, you know, you need to stop that and just give a little bit of godly courage about you. And if somebody's speaking perverse things around you, somebody's telling a joke and you think it's perverse, tell them to stop. Hey, I don't want to hear that joke. You can tell that joke when I'm not here, but right now I don't want to hear it. I've, 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 when I was a leader of companies, I'd be around tables of people swearing. I'd say, listen, if you keep swearing, uh, our whole team's going to leave. And they would call our bluff and we'd just get up and leave. Yeah, deal, deal done. Um, and uh, there, there's an opportunity that you have to stand up for what's right. Uh, and our fallen nature is often attracted to perverse things, unfortunately, which means we struggle to fight against them. But wisdom guards us from that path, from those who... Who leave the paths of righteousness? So you know that that's what Solomon. Remember, he's saying this to his son, uh, and I can't help but think that a lot of this was you know mistakes he'd learnt uh, in very difficult circumstances. Uh, Bruce Waltke said the promised protection is first defined as deliverance from apostate men who reject God, who have opted for dark and crooked paths instead of the Father's bright and straight ways. Interesting. Uh, he says, who rejoice in doing evil, these people. They delight in the perversity of the wicked. Listen, fallen nature is not only attracted to what is evil and perverse. It actually rejoices and delights in those things. Um, shame just seems to just not be a point for them. They're not concerned. There's no shame. Uh, and then what is wrong is twisted, and then that becomes what's celebrated. And we see that in our world today is that, Things that shouldn't be celebrated are, and things that should be called wicked are not. And this celebration of perversity, it's not unique to our time. It's been happening since Solomon wrote this to his son. But it, you know, it certainly marks in many ways the world in which we live today. He says, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Wisdom protects us from these evil people And if we were not protected by wisdom, then their, their crooked ways would harm us. And, and we would suffer from their devious character. And that's not what Solomon wants to happen. Verse 16. To deliver you from the immoral woman. From the seductress. So this, this closing part here is, is really interesting when you think about who Solomon was. To deliver you from the immoral woman from the seductress who flatters with her words, who forsakes the companion of her youth, who forgets the covenant of her God, for her house leads down to death, her paths to the dead, none who go to her return, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you may walk in the way of goodness and keep to the paths of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth and the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. Here Solomon speaks to his son who could be so easily deceived and trapped by the immoral woman, no doubt something that Solomon himself had experienced. 
But wisdom, Solomon says, that's what can protect you from her. Um, David Guzik said the Bible's wisdom is much more sophisticated than much of our popular thinking in today's world. Today there is the tendency to view things without nuance. For example, to think of all women as victims to men. This rejects the idea of the immoral woman. Thinking that if there is a sexual liaison between a man and a woman, he must be the perpetrator, she must be the victim. The Bible recognises that human beings and human relations uh, and relationships are far more complicated than that, and it's it's more 50-50. Think about David and Bathsheba. You've got David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba's there on the top of her house. Her husband's off at war. She's bathing herself. She's out in, in, in the open. She knows that there's a direct line of sight between her and David's palace. She knows that he, he, he could be looking at her and she doesn't care that she's naked and no other man's meant to see her nakedness. But then there's David and he's looking and he's like, oh, I, yeah, I'm, I like what I see. Uh, yeah. Uh, think about, you know, Samson and Delilah, you know, that they both played a part. You know, Delilah set out to, to really destroy Samson, but Samson fell for it because of how she approached it. And he obviously didn't have much wisdom. And, and this is what Solomon here is trying to say. It's not, this is not a point, a whole, uh, passage here just to say that women are the bad ones when it comes to, you know, uh, sexual liaisons outside of marriage. That's not his point. You have to understand the perspective of where Solomon is coming from and his understanding of these kind of relationships. And you have to also remember that this is Solomon teaching his son. And, and in a little way, it's a little sad because he's, he's without saying these words, he's saying, yeah, now, now do as I say, not as I do, because I didn't, I, I didn't really successfully pull this one off, you know. Uh, he says, listen, the seductress is going to flatter you with her words. So before the, the Solomon describes this immoral woman in any other way, he says, she'll use her words, got to watch her words. That's how she juices. It's actually not her looks. It's not her actions. It's her words. And the Song of Solomon, uh, that book that, that the Solomon wrote, it shows us that he knew the power of the female form and the female body. He knew what it could do to a man. But there was great power in the flattering words of a seductress. Uh, he says, who forsakes the companion of her youth. Uh, the immoral woman Solomon had in mind ha- had a past record of disloyalty and unfaithfulness. Uh, and that this was evident not only among men, the companion of her youth, but even more importantly in relationship to God, who forgets the covenant of her God. Um, now, John Trapp said this, marriage is a mixed covenant, partly religious and partly civil. The parties tie themselves first to God and then to one another. The bond is made to God together. She forgets that. She, she thinks she's just walking away with the civil part of her covenant with her husband. She forgets that she's made a covenant with God. She forgets that God's involved. This is what Solomon's saying. And her house leads to death. This is an important part of wisdom's protection to see where a path leads, not just the path itself, but where it leads to. And, and time with the flattering seductress Seems incredibly wonderful, Solomon says to his son, but wisdom helps us to understand where it leads, and that is down to death. Now, remember, 
This is a book of proverbs and sayings. It does not negate the fact that Jesus still wants to save the seductress. Okay? Uh, he's using proverbs. God is using proverbs to stop any, any particular woman that might be a seductress to a potential young man, uh, or, or any man, young, old, whatever. Um, and stopping her from taking somebody to hell before she gets saved. We're hoping that she gets saved. And we're hoping that she repents and says sorry for her sin. But what Solomon's point here, and that's why you have to understand this is you have to take Proverbs as Proverbs. They're, 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 they're sayings along the way. There's a legal term. I've used it before, as I've explained, uh, in, in when you are trained in legal things called obiter dicta. And it means things said along the way. And, and that's kind of what I think, uh, Proverbs are. They're not necessarily the reason for making the decision, decision, the ratio decedendi of a judgment. They are obiter dicta. They are things said along the way. That, uh, that help us understand, uh, you know, God's, God's standards and also help us understand, uh, where the fear of the Lord plays a very important part. Now, John Trapp said this, uh, how many, alas, have had her house lead down to death? By this means, many have lost their souls. Fleshly lusts by a specialty. Fight against the soul, and nothing hath so much enriched hell, saith one, as beautiful faces. Matthew Poole uh, wrote of many ways that her house leads down to death. He said this, By wasting a man's vital spirits and shortening his life, by exposing him to many and dangerous diseases, which physicians have declared and proved to be the effects of inordinate lust, as also to the fury of jealous husbands or friends, and sometimes to the sword of civil justice, and undoubtedly without repentance, to God's wrath and the second death. Um, her paths lead to the dead. Not only does she sink down to death, her path leads to the inhabitants of Sheol, of hell itself. That's a bad place to be led to. You don't want to be led there. Um, Dwayne Garrett, those who enter the house of the immoral woman, on the other hand, find only the ghosts of those who preceded them and discover too late that there is no exit. None who go to her return. Now, as with many statements in the book of Proverbs, it's not an absolute that is promised. It is a true principle. Solomon had seen many people go down the path of death with an immoral woman, never to return to the way of wisdom. Uh, now, when he says, who go to her, none who go to her, uh, the, the, the phrasing in Hebrew, it means go into her, the same as in Genesis 16.2. In other words, it's about referring specifically to sexual intercourse with somebody uh, outside of the marriage relationship. Uh, or if you are single, somebody, you know, an act of fornication with somebody of the opposite sex who may or may not be married. A life, unfortunately, that is given to promiscuity and sexual sin is much more difficult to reclaim. Um, and that's why it's better to not go down those paths. Remember Solomon saying this to his son. That's why we don't want our sons to get addicted to pornography. That's why we don't want our sons to go down the road of being trapped in lust because it becomes a very strong magnetic force that is very difficult to break free from. And, and really the only way you can do it is the power of the Holy Spirit to rise up within you. Uh, 
And uh, I've seen it ruin so many men. Uh, if you don't understand, if you're a lady and you don't, you, you think, well, this all seems very harsh. Um, it, it's, it's actually about men and their weakness. Uh, just as much as it is about the, the, the words and the actions of the seductress. Uh, men don't realize they weakness. They don't want to, no man wants to hear that he's weak at anything. Uh, he wants to be Superman to every, everybody and everything and every situation. And we're not. We're super useless is what we are. And if you realize that, then you're more prone to rely on the power of God than you are on your own determination. Um, the unfaithful will be uprooted. Solomon reminded his son of the consequences of the path of the seductress. It invites the discipline or the judgment of God, who, according to his covenant, God's covenant with Israel, promised that the upright will dwell in the land, but the unfaithful will be uprooted from it. In other words, these consequences give us a clear choice. You have to choose one or the other. Warren Wearsby, there's a price to pay if we would gain spiritual wisdom. But there's an even greater price to pay if we don't gain it. We must walk with God through the study of his word. What what are the observations for me uh, as we go through this and we kind of wrap this up today? Um, you have to remember Solomon's a man who never tamed his lust for women in his whole life. And I can't help but think that he was desperately trying to make sure that his son didn't go down the same road. Uh, and if you're a man, you have to take the warnings of this today very seriously. Uh, the responsibility is on you because God's word has told you what to look for and what to look out for. So if you fall into that trap, that's on you. Uh, if you're a woman, then I hope this gives you a little bit of insight today into the fragility of a man's path when it comes to sexual sin. It's a fine line for a man to be uh, on the right path and then to, to, to trip, trip into a different path that he shouldn't be. Um, it's always a closer decision than what either men or other women realize about the men in their lives. Um, and that's why the devil uses this all the time. Uh, that's why we all need wisdom. Now, where does wisdom come from? It comes from the fear of the Lord, respect of the, of, of the Lord and his word, which comes from an understanding of his word, which is why I do this in the first place. And uh, and and I, I want to stop the devil having the opportunity to mess up men and women's lives through, through sexual means, sexual perversion, other than what God intended uh, sex to be. So uh, that's my observation, is that, this is this is a genuine uh, crisis that we are seeing in our world right now, and I just want to pray for uh, men or women who have struggled in this area. Uh, maybe not just in in what we've talked about today, but in any area in this. I, I want to pray for you that you wouldn't be condemned, but that you would just be encouraged, and that you, if you need to repent, you repent and you say sorry for your sin and ask God to forgive it. And like the prophet Micah said, God will hurl your sin into the depths of the ocean, and nobody will ever be able to find it again. God can do that for you, just like that. That's the whole point of why Jesus died on the cross. So allow me to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every single person watching this 
uh, video or listening to this podcast today, I pray, Lord, that you would just allow them just to, to have an expression right now of, of whether that be thankfulness for that this has never happened to them or anybody they know, or maybe a, a repentance and saying sorry for the things I've done wrong and forgive me of my sin and help me to live for you with wisdom and fear and, and respect of the word of God. Uh, I pray, Lord, for uh, anybody who is navigating this right now, God, give them strength, Lord, right now. I pray, Lord, that they would understand Philippians 4, that I can only I can only do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and that, God, that we would understand that wisdom helps us stop going down those paths. And, God, if we would just make different decisions and not go down that path, God, we, we, the, the start of a path is not the end of it. Uh, and, we're, and if anybody has started down a path, I pray they just turn around today, 180 degrees, and just run back up the path from where they came. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Be blessed.